Y'all happy this morning? Who is not smiling right now? You're just not smiling. Let me see your hands. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. I've got great faith this morning for what I want to share with you. Uh, aren't you blessed to have such an awesome house to be part of? Amen. Aren't you blessed to have Pastor Mike and Christy as your pastors? I've quickly, I've quickly become Pastor Mike's very best friend, other than his wife and his children and, and many others. But I'm, I'm right close there, you know. But I am so grateful. The Lord, last October, spoke to me very clearly. He says, you're not going to leave the state of Colorado until I tell you to, and I want you to stand with Mike. So I'm not on staff here. I'm not a pastor here. But the Lord just said, I want you to stand with this man of God, and I want you to pray nonstop for him and for this house. And the Lord began to show me things about the authority of this house, its assignment, its purposes. And my heart began to burn. And I want you to know something, that what God is about to do is much bigger. We're not looking for one house in revival. Those days are over. We're looking for an entire region caught up in the glory of God. An entire region. Colorado notoriously has been very poor at supporting churches in moves of God. There's too much jealousy, too much competition. We've been known as a claim-jumping state where in the gold rush, people would jump claims and steal from a brother, and that has manifested into the church where any time a move of God happens in a church, it can never grow into the region because it's persecuted. And God has raised up a new wineskin over Colorado because he knows the, the weakness of Colorado and the inability to stand together, and so he's releasing a new wineskin and I am seeing a spirit of unity on Colorado like I have never seen before amongst pastors and intercessors where their declaration, their decree is we will stand alone on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's amazing. And your pastor, God has given him such a tremendous voice. It's a unique moment for Colorado. And it's very unique for Pastor Mike that to watch pastors absolutely trust him and they see in him that he truly is a kingdom man. For pastors to be able to trust at this level where several hundred pastors are coming together for hours at a time, I've never seen this kind of trust, this kind of relational depth. The last time we met together for the 400, the strength, the energy of God was so palpable. It literally, I, I was screaming out, I can't believe we get to do this. The glory was so weighty, so powerful, it was in my top 10 meetings that I've ever been in. And it felt like we were going to get sucked straight out of this place. So there is something, and I want you to know, if you have been looking for something more than just a local church, but you have been wanting to be tied into something big, you've been desiring the kingdom of God, not just to see a man lifted up, we'll have revival, but we'll have it at our church. Those days are over. Man worship is over. It can't stand in Colorado. And you'll notice that I've watched this man. He carries a humility. His wife carries a humility. They don't make it up. It's just truly inside of them. And every pastor knows that about them. They're humble. He's at almost every event you could think of supporting and being a strength. And I'm telling you, something unique is happening here. So if you're here visiting and you've been desiring to be part of something of a great revival, a great move of God, where an entire state is about to be influenced by the kingdom of God, you're at the right place. You really are. This is much bigger than one church. 
I was flying into Colorado. I had a chance to go, and sometimes God just lets me go be in these youth revivals to keep me young. And I, it was awesome. 250 burning, zealous radicals. I mean, the worship leader had a shirt that says, kill the flesh. I was, it's like, she's like one of three. I'm, it, the atmosphere was so pregnant with the Spirit of God. These kids were getting up there and they were legitimately from their heart crying out, God, burn me with your holy fire. 15, 16, 17 year olds, all the way up into the millennials. Where the authentic, here we are in my generation of 50 year olds, we've, we've kind of like got this idea of, you know, how much can I swerve and still be in the kingdom? I mean, the last time, you know, I read the, the road to heaven was narrow. I don't think it allows for a whole lot of swerving. But how much sin can I get involved with and still go to heaven? What can I play with? What can I, what can I saturate myself with but still be a friend of God? And that, those days are over because there's a generation burning right now where they, don't, they have no desire to be close to that line of compromise. They literally are burning for holy fire. And they just melt into the presence they don't desire. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, we're, we're about to see the man worship come to a stop in America. Because we can't have man worship and Jesus worship at the same time. Something is going to bow. The last time I looked in the, before the presence of God, of God, of the ark of the presence, Dagon had to fall before that presence. And man worship is falling in America. And some pastors, some men are going to fall and some will be recovered and others will not. But Jesus is going to have America as his inheritance and that's the final word on it. He's going to have it. And he will have his bride and his bride will be so hungry for his presence. And his bride, Jesus told us, will look like in the last hour, we will be very hungry for the oil of his presence. And I was flying into suffering in Florida. Whew, I left, it's 82 degrees. Super tough. It was really tough. It was just tough, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> to come back and it was 26 degrees and none of our snow had melted, you know. And it was a six-hour flight. There was unusual weather patterns happening in, in America, like unusual weather patterns. I've been hearing prophets saying there's going to be absolutely unusual patterns of weather. Well, it, on the day I was flying out, it happened on that day where we were sitting on the tarmac for hours. The atmosphere of that plane, I got on the plane, and it was just pregnant with, like, people were about to unravel. I purposefully always go to the back of the plane because I want to be able to see what's on that plane so I can take authority of whatever wants to manifest on that plane. Amen? I have no desire to sit with lunatics. And I don't want my flight diverted when somebody snaps and we got to go across country to some other airport and it messes everything up. So I'm just going to sit there and I'm going to bless that thing. Well, the atmosphere was intense. One lady began to manifest on some stewardesses. The stewardesses were manifesting and the Lord says, take authority over this atmosphere. And so I began to pray in tongues aggressively. People were turning and looking at me, but the atmosphere of the plane shifted and peace settled upon us. So for five hours, I had worship going. It was a Southwest flight where you're allowed to, you can get on, you can track your plane's progress and so forth. And I had for, for five hours, I was just in the presence of God with my earphones, worshiping and just kind of just processing what had just taken place at this youth revival and at the church on Sunday morning, thinking about a generation. And, and, and the Lord is speaking to me about there's, 
a revival coming to the Gen Zers all the way up into the millennials. When I heard him say this, I'm releasing my awesome fear over this generation. The fear of the Lord is coming back to this culture. They will fear and reverence my name like never before, and they will burn radically for my name. So he's just speaking to me about this. And I was thinking of Jason's shirt back there. He always wears a shirt called Fear of the Lord. I've been actually going through a book by John Bevere several times. I've gone through it. It's called The Fear of the Lord. I would encourage you to either listen to it or to read it. It is epic because the Lord is coming. The glory cloud is coming. The Lord says the first thing that's going to come upon the church is my awesome reverence for my presence. We're going to learn his great power, how majestic and powerful he is. And we will, we will not repeat history when God wanted his people to encounter him. And he said, bring them to the base of the mountain. I'm about to shake this mountain with lightnings and thunderings. I'm going to impress my people with how great and mighty I am and just tell them to stand in my glory. But they would not. They said, Moses, you go. We are scared of God. And God said, I'm going to get the church away from being scared of me because the fear of God is not being scared of God. And we're going to go to the mountain of the Lord and he is going to shake our cities with his glory. And for the first time, we will stand. We will not say we are going to send Moses. We're going to get in the glory of the Lord because our hearts are hungry. We're not going to repeat history. Amen. So I'm flying for five hours with just peace and presence and the Lord speaking to me. And all of a sudden, everything shifted. And I began to hear intense voices, demonic voices. And it first began to come after my family. And then shifted to my family, to my voice. And it says, you don't have authority in Colorado. You don't have a voice. And began to basically try to intimidate me from backing down or to back down. And this is the first time this has ever happened to me. I've heard of other people, Dutch Sheets would talk about this, Cindy Jacobs, Becca Greenwood, but I've never had that wonderful experience. And I want to tell you, it was a wonderful experience because if the devil's going to tell me I don't have a voice, then evidently I'm packing something for Colorado. He wouldn't have taken the time to find me at 37,000 feet flying at 515 miles an hour to begin to speak to me if something wasn't about to break loose in my family and something wasn't about to break loose over our state. Amen? And what his attempt was to intimidate shot life and I went, whoop! I mean, I got fired up. You know what I began to declare? I mean, this plane was packed. I think they put people up in the overhead bins. It was that full. And I began to declare it is a new day over Colorado. All of Colorado shall be, I mean, I was feeling the presence of God on me. All of Colorado shall be saved. The glory of the Lord is coming back to the church. God is raising up the house of God again. We are going to see the kingdom of heaven so forcefully advance in Colorado. Begin to stir me. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you faith to believe me for sudden moments in my kingdom. He said, I want you to stir my people to believe me again that I can move in one day. Yeah. Amen. If he's going to play those keys, I might as well do it a little bit. We should hand out some handkerchiefs and have a true throwdown for Jesus. Amen. You get me shucking and bucking. Amen. Colorado, everything is about to shift. And the Lord has been dealing even in my own heart with some of the hopelessness that's come with dreams when we have been leaning into things for years and they didn't manifest. 
when things didn't take place and the Lord began to speak to me about Mike and about this house and he says in quiet seasons when you don't build he said something is always happening he said my kingdom is always moving it may not be visible to the eye but if it's not to the eye then it's underground and I'm building a structure underground and he began to show me in the seasons of the stripping, even for this house, where God had to reduce this house down to a group of people who had the ability and the anointing to pray in a revival. Because not everybody did. There has to be unity of heart to pray in something. And the Lord spoke to me that when things were quiet here, when things weren't growing or progressing as man thinks that they should, the Lord says that he was building the root structure. And he was going out for miles and miles and miles. He said, and there was going to come a time which we are in right now because the Lord says, I've anointed the intercessors to pray it in. And now it is the building season. I'm bringing the builders into the house and we're going to see the kingdom of God forcefully advance. He says, in the quiet season, I built a structure of authority that now we can stand on. He says, when you stand on this, whatever you declare will go forth outside of your mouth and cover wherever I have built authority. Listen to me, you can tell the realm of authority that's been given to a church by how you pray. That's a good word. You can tell. I tuned in, I don't know where's, where's Marcus at. I think he's in the back with the team. But listen, last week the anointing was so intense on your service. I came home and I'm real picky about when I pray. Either I sit in intense silence and I just wait silence and I wait upon the Lord, or I'm putting something super stupid anointed in. That's coming from a youth service. Sorry if that offends you. They always say, oh, that's stupid. Oh, whatever. It's got to be super anointed, or I'm gonna sit in quietness before the Lord. And I actually put on the worship service and the service from last week, and I sat and got host from the presence of the Lord that was coming off this stage through the airways. I don't know how we can capture the anointing, but you can capture it. And it was captured and it was ministering to me. And the Lord says, listen to how they're praying. Everything was about, Lord, send the rain down from heaven. Let it cover up Colorado. And you began to cry even for America. And then Mike got up. The Lord says that the rain is actually us. We are the ones who bring the rain of heaven. And there was a decree being released over Colorado. He says, that's how you can tell I've anointed the rock to pray and to stand as an intercessor over Colorado because it's in all the language of everything that's being done is how can we possess the state of Colorado and impact our region for the glory of God. So this morning I want to build your faith this morning. I want you to take your hands and I want you to lay them on yourself and I want you to bless yourself right now. And we're going to take authority by faith over hope deferred. This was not in part of my message. I just feel that right now. In order for us to be able to stand and to have faith, because faith is required to access the new realms. Your pastor just said it. Faith is required to believe God. And I hear the Lord says, tell my people to believe me again. I'm going to move in one day. Now listen to me. We never just get a suddenly for no reason. Something has always been laid and a price has always been paid in order for suddenlies to happen. There has to be an intercessor somewhere praying day and night. And that's when God answers by fire. 
He's never showed up in cities. He's never shaken nations without first the preparation of the hidden place of crying out, Lord, would you come? Would you show your glory? The Lord says, I'm about to send us suddenly to this state. And it's not just coming happen chance. It's coming because a remnant has set their affections before me and have cried out day and night, Lord, would you come and save Colorado? Would you save America? Would you save us and pour out your spirit? And I heard the Lord says, tell my people to build their faith. I can do it in one day. Does the Lord have power to shake Colorado in one day? Can he shake our capital through one event in one day? Can he rock a high school in one day? It only takes one person to be a contact point for the kingdom of God to come. Listen, there are two kingdoms operate in the earth and you have the realm of man the realm of man has been designed to receive from a kingdom either we're going to receive from the violent kingdom of darkness or we will receive from the violent kingdom of light both are violent and we as men and women will receive from one of those kingdoms and we will do it violently for the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force the violence manifests as this. We have great hope that our God will show up and show forth the strength of his mighty hand in one day. I have such faith. This is not hype. I firmly believe that all of Colorado is about to be caught up in the glory of God. The stage is being set for Jesus to be revealed. Can somebody shout hallelujah? I want release some decrees over Colorado. This has been coming out of the prayer room. Stuff that has been marking. By the way, I want you to know that we all just prophesy in part. This is just my piece of the puzzle that the Lord has allowed me to see. Nobody ever gets the fullness of the puzzle. We prophesy in part. Last week, your pastor and Christy, they were prophesying to you about the shakings that are coming. And I want to confirm to you that the shakings are coming. And I saw another thing coming alongside of the great shakings, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I'm telling you, everything that can be shaken is about to be shaken. And it's for the glory of the Lord. That should make us shout, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this has been coming out of the realms of prayer. Decrees that have been coming out of Wednesday night services. By the way, if you wanna go from zero to 60 in your prayer life, come on Wednesday nights to the prayer meetings. They're next level, they're powerful. I guess last week I was not here. I was at that service out there. But last week I heard that it was like a whole nother level broke through. This year, I'm telling you, this year is going to be excellently awesome. Hallelujah. Isaiah 16. I was, a little bit of context, I... I wanted to drive down into downtown Denver and I wanted to see what the nature of the city was like. This is a couple of months ago. Now, this has been building out of a season where my heart has been grieved and the Lord began to speak to me and tell me to stop grieving. Don't grieve. The Lord's been speaking to me about things over Colorado because I've been grieving decisions that Colorado has been making. And several times the Lord says, don't grieve. And he gave me his eyes to see what he was about to do. And one of these out of Isaiah 16 when I was driving through downtown Denver, I was just, I got overwhelmed. I was like, Lord, how are you, would you ever possibly be able to touch this city? 
it felt like there was no light in the city. And I, I don't live too far from it. I live in, in the Denver Tech Center. And I drove up there and I was driving around people. I've, I used to do so much street ministry in downtown when I was a youth pastor at an inner city church. It is 40, 50, 60% worse than I've ever seen. The people laying in gutters. The kids that were strung out, not even able to move. This poor kid, it looked like he was 19, 20 years old. All of his clothes were scattered all next to this pub. And he had a needle next to him, and he was completely unconscious with his legs hanging out into the street. I had to drive around his legs. And I felt overwhelmed. I said, Lord, we've been asking you for revival. How will you possibly ever save the city of Denver? And he said, I'm going to do it by my mercy. He said, Colorado doesn't deserve revival. It doesn't deserve my presence. It doesn't deserve to be saved. But I have seen fit to release mercy over her. And I want you to stand with confidence. He goes, you're not going to be confident in any other thing but my mercy. You stand and declare. And I went to a high place and I said, Colorado, the mercy of God is coming to you. We don't deserve anything, but God is going to have mercy. And he gave me this scripture right here. The Lord says, I will be a shelter to them from the face of the spoiler. From the extortioner, it's come to an end. God said, I'm going to expose the extortioner. For devastation ceases and the oppressors are consumed out of the land. For in mercy, the throne is being established. When we stand as intercessors, that's what we are. I hope you see this kingdom much bigger than you needing a fresh touch. We all need a fresh touch. But the king is in the vineyard, friends. He's in the field. The king is ready for the harvest. And it's time for us to move outside and begin to declare the king is in the land. Hallelujah. Some, some might say you're, you're just, you're dogmatic. I just don't see a lot of options. Either you're burning for him or you're not. Either you have oil or you don't. Either you're hot on fire or you're not. I just, I've, I've looked all through the Bible and I try to find that fence that they say that we can walk on the fence. I've looked for the fence. People are standing on the fence. I've looked and I've read and I've never, Pastor Mike, I've never found the proverbial fence because I don't think there's a fence. I don't believe there's a middle ground. I don't believe there's a middle line. I believe you're either for him or you're against him. Call me weird, but I think if he were to stand here with you, he'd say the exact same thing. In fact, he said some things that were so troubling that everybody left him, except for 12, because they had no place to go. And then he, they said, but you have the words of eternal life. Jesus has no problem with being the only way and the only truth and the only life. I was struck this morning by the love of a father. The father was having such desire for you and I that he's like, the only way they can come to me is through my son who's a door, he's the gate. And the only way they can come if I've got to shed the blood of my son because I am so desperate for fellowship with my people. And I'm willing to give the most valuable resource in heaven. I'm going to bankrupt heaven and I'm going to give my son. We were created not to manage the earth. That was not our number one assignment was to manage the garden. He could have very easily picked angels to do that very work. We were created to walk with him 
and to fellowship with him. That is the priority of Jesus. He said it when Mary and Martha, when Mary sat at his feet. He said, this is what I see. Sitting at my feet. We were not created to work. We were not created to to do this. We were created for intimacy and fellowship. And everything comes out of that. And his deep desire for you to shed the blood of his innocent son so that you could come through the door and experience a father has endless love. Hallelujah. In mercy, the throne will be established and there will be one, capital one, who will sit on it in truth and the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. The Lord says over Colorado, and I decree this over Colorado. Would you lift your hands and decree with me? I decree over Colorado that mercy is being established over the state in the name of Jesus. I decree over Colorado into the darkest places of the mercy of God is about to be poured out and in that very place the very throne of God will be established in the name of Jesus for the Lord of hosts has purposed over Colorado and who can annul it for his hand is stretched out who can turn it back Father we declare today that you are stretching out your hand over our state nothing can turn back the hand of the Lord we declare the purposes of God to be manifest in Colorado in the name of Jesus In the name of Jesus, in Haggai chapter 2, I'm going to read this to you. For this says the Lord of hosts once more and in a little while. God says, I'm going to shake heaven and earth. I'm going to shake the sea. And I'm going to shake the dry land. And he says, and I'm going to shake all the nations of the earth. Do you know that right now in Brazil, 10 million people are in the streets right now protesting the recent election of a criminal and crying out, and majority of it is the church that's been in revival, and they're crying out for all of Brazil to be shaken by the power of God. 10 million people in the streets of Brazil right now. I happened, I, I felt blessed to be able to stumble into a conversation with the head leader of the Iranian resistance, a woman, a most powerful spokesman of a woman, and a spirit-filled woman, who was saying that the people of God are taking to the streets of Iran and crying out day and night for revival in Iran. And they have been saying this over their spiritual leader of Iran, death to Khomeini. The Iranians are crying out, that the spiritual bondage to be broken off of their state, over their nation. And the Chinese uprising right now that's happening, where the people are tired of being oppressed. God-given rights of freedom. And they're standing in, in resistance. Listen, the nations of the earth are absolutely groaning right now. I'm not going to say who it was, but there was somebody who knows They're a high-level official in the government, and they said just recently, we just about went up a nuclear war. He said it was this close. The nations of the earth are groaning. And here's what it says. For I'm going to shake all the nations, 
They will come to the desire of the nations. Say amen. We know who the desire of the nations is. Amen. They're going to come to Jesus. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts, for the silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord. I have a dear friend of mine. His name is Dan. He's a prophet. He was flying over America uh, maybe 15 years ago. And the Lord showed him a vision that's actually happening right now. He said, this is for a future day. But he said, begin to pray, Dan. He said, it's, God is coming to release judgment over the church of America. A judgment is literally just a decision rendered because he wants to find out the root structure. Dan said that he was flying over America. He was an international evangelist with a strong influence in America. He said, Dan, in this vision, I saw God coming down and grabbing churches in every city, and he was pulling them up by the roots and turning them over and inspecting them. If there was life and light in the root structure, they didn't have to have it perfect, but if they had a desire for the king of glory, then they were replanted and they were allowed to grow abundantly. But he said there was other churches, they were pulled up, and that the root structure was about man worship and filled with pride. He also said there were some mainline denominations that when he turned them over, the pastors were so broken and so massively aware of their need for God, and they had no more presence in their house. He said those pastors who are poor in spirit, right? Poor in spirit means a deep need for God. He said there are mainline denominational pastors who have completely lost their way. They are out of oil. Their churches are dead. The Lord will have mercy upon them and plant them and send revival into their house. But the ones who are filled with pride, the ones who are worshiping flesh, which is happening right now, we're seeing men and women of God falling, falling, some will be restored and some will not recover. Because God is going to have his bride and he will not share his bride with another. Listen to me, man worship is on its way out. Pastor Mike said something so good to me yesterday. In fact, if you could say the scripture about the earthen vessels. We're just earthen vessels holding out of Corinthians. Can you just say that out loud? I, you said it yesterday, and it was powerful. Earthen vessels holding this incorruptible presence of God. I like looking at Mike's Bible. The thing is throttled with underlining and torn stuff. And I heard a man of God say, if your Bible's torn up, your life won't be. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that the all-surpassing power of God uh, is, or that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So I was just saying that, yeah, this, we're just jars of clay. And sometimes we forget that we're jars of clay because the all-surpassing power of God is moving through us. And we can get prideful in that. But if we can remember that we're just jars of clay, His power will continue to move through us. I want you to stick your hands out. This is a unique service I know. I don't preach sermons no more. We don't need sermons. We've got enough of them. And I want you to begin to bless yourself and say, I'm a jar of clay and I'm going to, the insurmountable power of God's going to flow through my life. And I want you to ask God, Lord, keep this vessel pure and humble before you all the days of my life. 
Because many of you in this room are going to see unusual signs and wonders come out of your hands. You will see unusual things begin to manifest through you. Great power is about to be manifested. And the Lord says, I've kept you little for so long so that your full reliance is fully upon me. Thank the Lord that some of us didn't blossom too quick before we had the character to handle the weight of glory. Hallelujah. So we declare, Lord, have your work within the church of Colorado. Mainline denominations are coming back into revival. Had a dream several months ago of mainline denominations whose wells had been filled by the adversary. They were coming back into revival in this hour. The day of the Lord is at hand. It's burning like an oven. The Lord says, announce my day is coming. It's burning like an oven. That's actually a negative connotation of actual judgment. But the Lord spoke to me, actually, my day is coming, and it's burning like an oven. It's awesome fire of God. Amen? For the revelation of Jesus Christ is about to be revealed over Colorado. Revelation 5 is about to be made manifest where the Father says, Who among us is worthy to open these scrolls? And they looked in heaven and earth and under the earth, and they found no one who was found worthy. And here's John the Revelator burned from head to toe, being dipped in oil. And he's observing this scene in heaven where nobody is worthy. And all of a sudden a hand is raised, and I could see it where Jesus, the Son of God, says, Father, I am worthy. And the Father hands the scrolls to His Son and begins to open them. We're about to see the Revelation 5 Lamb of God being made manifest over Colorado as the only one who was found worthy. The coming zeal of the Father in this glory will be for one reason, to highlight Jesus from north to south and east and west. It's all about Jesus. God says, I'm releasing Elijah moments over you. Do you have faith to believe for Elijah moments? When Elijah stood upon Mount Carmel, it wasn't in his own ability. He thought for sure that it was his ability to shift the atmosphere of heaven, but he did not know there were 7,000 intercessors. It's never just one man. It's never just a suddenly just a happen chance. God always finds intercessors to pray and to seek him day and night. And then the Lord answers the intercessor by fire. Woo! Are you guys getting tired? You all right? I'm preaching better than you're responding. I heard a phrase the other day. I was this 8 o'clock service. God doesn't normally move in 8 o'clock services. But he did this morning. And he showed up super fast. Bang! At this 8 o'clock service. Shocked the pastors. And the Lord says, announce that I'm riding in on the gray-haired ones. That's what... <laughs> And I think, I didn't coin that. I think Lou Engle came up with that one time. But I heard the Lord says, announce that I'm riding into this city on the back of the gray hairs. And all the, it was, the place was filled with gray hairs. They shot to their feet. They're going, Wah! I mean, these old, older people. Now, I got gray hair. But they're like next level gray hair. I love your laugh, McKenna. My daughter, she laughs like I do. Everybody, raise your hand, McKenna. That's, that's my, my oldest daughter. And then Rachel's my, my middle daughter. And then my, my youngest is in, back in the gymnasium. Amen. Thank you, Brandon Kolb. I love you too. Brandon Kolb just said such a timely word. Such an encourager. Amen. Elijah moments are coming. I heard the other night, I'm about to lift the skirts. I think it's Nehemiah or Nahum chapter 2. I heard the Lord said, I'm going to lift the skirts on this darkness. 
The things that have been done in injustice in Colorado and in America because the church has been grieved by the injustice. And some of us have been made angry by the injustice because we're meant to have justice. The kingdom of God is established upon righteousness and justice. That's what the throne is established on. And when we're not getting justice in the earth, it causes a frustration. And the church has gotten frustrated. We need to turn to the very God who's going to lift the skirts on the darkness and expose the things hidden in darkness. He said, I'm going to lift the skirt on this thing, and I'm going to bring exposure. Listen to me. God is not done with America. He's not done with Colorado. He will expose it. Hallelujah. Then I heard this the other night. We were all talking, Mike, and Tracy. Tracy got a download about the virgins getting oil, and he was vexed. He was flying in. The Lord says, there's shakings coming. Mike was getting revelation on it. And then I heard this. The Lord says, I'm putting a hook in the mouth of Leviathan. I'm going to hook that serpent of old, and that thing's going to manifest, and it will become violent. But no, I'm dealing with the Leviathan spirit. That twisting, deceiving spirit that's twisted and deceived my people for too long. That's a territorial spirit. We don't deal with that. The Father does. And I heard him when he was speaking to Job. Woe to the man who tries to put a hook in the mouth of Leviathan. When he was challenging Job, Job, were you there when I did all these things? Because Job wanted to question God. Is God faithful? Is he good? Let me ask you that. Is God faithful? Then let your hope be established because God is releasing suddenlies. And they're not just going to happen for some unknown reason. He is responding to the prayers of the saints. All the work that's been done all over Colorado. I'm not even talking about the work that's been done in the nation. We're just talking about Colorado right now. Do you know how many intercessors in this state have been out on prayer strikes, prayer assignments, prayer missions, prayer services, prayer potlucks, prayer whatever? Doing it. Do you know how many houses of prayer erupted from 2011 when Wesley Campbell got up there and began to release that revival was coming through Colorado. I think Jeff Day's here somewhere. We remember that day, and he began to prophesy that the houses of prayer were going to erupt all over Colorado, and they went in by the hundreds. Do you know something? That God responds. He sends the house of prayer. He strengthens the tabernacle of David right before he's about to show up and show off. Because the day goes to the intercessor. Say amen. Leviathan is being hooked. Here's the last declaration over Colorado. Here's what we're going to stand on. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Colorado, we declare over you that God is sprinkling clean water on you. We declare over you, you're going to be made clean. God says, I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness. And I will cleanse you from all of your idols. And I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Say amen to that. Won't you lift your hands. Father, we declare in the name of Jesus that Colorado is about to get a new heart. Father, we declare that the heart of stone is being removed even out of your church, out of your people. The hope deferred is being removed from us. Father, we declare that our hearts to be fresh again. 
to feel the slightest touch again. That all the calluses are coming off of our hearts, Lord. That we can feel the slightest touch, the slightest nudge again from the Lord. Father, you're making us aware to your presence like never before. You're making our hearts sensitive. You're filling us with joy, for there will be joy in the house of the Lord again. Father, we declare that sadness and sighing and heaviness is blowing away. For in the house of the Lord, the joy of the Lord shall be our strength. Father, we stand upon Psalm 1611 that in your presence is fullness of joy. Father, we declare over this house today the joy of the Lord to be our strength. Renew vision. Renew hope. Renew our hearts. Renew the shout on the inside of us, God. Renew our marriages. Renew our children. Renew our homes, God. Renew us in the name of Jesus. Lord, you're making all things new in Jesus' name. I'm going to read this to you. If you can turn with me to Isaiah 38. Now I'm shifting to us. Amen. The Lord wants to strengthen you today. Can you just receive his strength today? Amen. That's not the one I want. There are two passages about Hezekiah, and I don't want that one. Go to 2 Kings. 2 Kings 18. I have been praying this over myself for several months. Hezekiah is reigning in Judah. 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 1. I'm going to read down to verse 9. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, the king of Israel, that Hezekiah, you understand there's two kingdoms, kingdom of Judah, kingdom of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Recognize that name right there, the son of Ahaz, because Ahaz is about to play a very, uh, I shouldn't say important, but he's going to play a very weighty role in the decisions of Hezekiah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars. He cut down the wooden image, and he broke into pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the children of Israel burned incense to it and called it uh, Nebuchadnezzar. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who would be before him. For the Lord held fast to the, for, the, for he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but he kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He subdued the Philistines as far as Gaza and in his territory from the watchtower to the fortified city. Now note this. It came to pass in the fourth year 
of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea. Four is the number of new direction. Eight, we're in the eighth day, is a number of new beginnings. Who feels like a new beginning is already upon you right now? I feel it for me. Who's been in an intense season of their life? Let me see your hand. Like maybe a long, intense season. It's a new day. Do you hear me? It's a new day. I could tell you my story. We could hear your story. But you know what doesn't matter? It just matters that God is faithful. And he is releasing over us a new day and a brand new fresh start coming into this year. Amen. I heard him last month say, tell my people I'm standing in the middle of their January and I'm going to bring breakthrough to them. There's something about the fast that's about to kick off on the 15th. The Lord is tying a realm of breakthrough around the fast. And I saw the Lord over the 21 days, literally the spirit of, of Daniel is going to begin to come on many of us and we will begin to have revelation like we've never had before. We're going to begin to see things in the spirit that we've been wanting to see. Who would like to see things in the spirit? Many of you in this room, life has been a mystery to you. You haven't been able to see beyond two or three feet. I've got a word for you. Um, McKenna, will you remind me? Ashton. Ashton, would you just lift your hands real quick? I just heard the Lord says, tell her that I'm going to be the father that she needs. I saw you all of a sudden stepping onto a launching pad. The Lord said, I'm about to launch you out. I'm about to send you out. I'm moving you into your destiny. And there's been an insecurity around your heart that you don't feel necessarily covered. And it's in the realm of the Father. But the Lord says, tell her that I'm going to be the Father to her that she's been needing. And I will not let her fall. I will uphold her because she has set me always before her. So therefore, I will order all of her steps. I see the Lord going before you, Ashton, with great strength and might. The Lord's going before you, and he will cover from behind. And the Lord says, I will be the father to her, that support that she's been needing. So I just bless you with the father heart of God over your life and over your assignment in the name of Jesus, because your assignment is a big deal. Amen. In this fourth year, if you begin to read on, it says that the king came under pressure. And Samaria began to be taken by the enemy. Hezekiah began to get underneath the pressure of the enemy. And he emptied out the temple's gold and silver items dedicated to the Lord for appeasement to the king that was suppressing Samaria. He all of a sudden lost traction. He gave up ground that he was never meant to give up. Because he was serving the Lord faithfully and he was doing all that God had asked him to do. And then all of a sudden, in this strange moment where this king came and put pressure on him, said, I'm going to subdue you and I'm going to take your city. All of a sudden, here's King Hezekiah, a man of God who did righteously. All of a sudden, he digressed. He got fearful. He backed away from the land that God had given to him and he went into the temple and he plundered the temple of all of its gold and silver. And when you study about generational iniquity, that the sins of the father are not necessarily, you're not going to have to pay the price for the sin of your father, but the ability for that spirit to visit the next generation and to pressure it to see if it will fall into the same iniquity is there. It's available. 
If you will read two chapters earlier, his father by the name of Ahaz with a Z, the same moment came where he was pressured by a demonic king and Ahaz went into the temple and emptied the temple of its gold and silver. We see a generational iniquity manifesting on Hezekiah. I heard the Lord said, I'm about to strengthen many of you who have lost ground. I'm about to cause you to regain ground that you have lost to the enemy. Some of you have lost several hundred yards of land that belongs to you. There's been pressure. And I want to go here in a little while and begin to break off what the Lord showed me, that there's inner vows and demonic judgments that we've operated under that have caused us to be spiritually blind where it feels like the enemy has had access where he doesn't have authority. The only way for the enemy to have access, there's got to be an open door and a cause. You can't just get cursed without a cause. It has to have something to align upon. Offense and bitterness. God says, tell the people, I'm about to cause them to regain. In fact, if you study it out, all of a sudden Hezekiah came. There was a wound on his body that he was about to die from. Many theologians believe that that wound came from the decisions that were made to plunder the temple. And Hezekiah, what looked to be his last days, the prophet went to him and says, get your house in order, for your life is being required of you. And Hezekiah turned himself towards the wall and began to cry out to the Lord for mercy. He said, Lord, would you remember me? And the Lord was gripped by his heart of humility. And he all of a sudden whispered in the ears of the prophet and says, Go back and tell the king that I will give him ten more years of his life. Because he has humbled himself before me. And then the Lord gave the prophet a poultice to form to put on this wound to bring healing. Wouldn't you like to know that poultice? The Lord says, I want my people to respond to me out of of humility again. I'm going to go ahead and read this to you real quickly. I feel it's important. About bitter root judgments. Bitter root judgments. The Lord has dealt aggressively with these even in my own life. I had him towards my real mom who battled alcoholism. And she left me as a child when I was just barely one years old. And she actually fought to have me aborted and my unsaved father fought for me and says, you will not take the life of our child and fought for me. I battled rejection and I had formed in my mind and I literally one day said to my mom, I said, you are so selfish. I was a pastor. And she said to me, she says, Danny, I could not have raised you. I would have destroyed your life. I said, or you're just so selfish. You wanted to do your own thing and I was at the cost of that expense. And she goes, oh, it's like that, oh. A couple years later, the Lord spoke to me. Dan, you have a bitter root judgment towards your mother. You have judged her unrighteously. And you assumed that you knew the depths of her heart. And he said to me, I did not want her to raise you. She didn't have the capacity to be a mother. She didn't know how to nurture because my mom is a very beautiful woman. All of her three sisters are all models, all beautiful. Their father was a horrible man. And he would sexually abuse my aunts and my mom. And several times he would sit them in the basement and get out his loaded shotgun and put it in their face. And he would say, you're so worthless. I'm going to blow your head off. That's what my mom was raised with. He says, you judged her. 
she didn't have the capacity to love you as a mom. And so I raised up another mom to love you who did a great job. He said, I need you to get delivered of this sinful reaction to circumstances around your life. It's a bitter root judgment. Condemning judgments of other people. These are what opens up doors in our life. There was something that Hezekiah had towards his father. Maybe Hezekiah says, I will never, ever plunder the temple of God for my adversary. That's called an inner vow. Do you know what the Bible says? The only one we make vows to is the father. Any other vow made to a man or anything else is ungodly. And we're responsible for unholy vows. They bind us. And I have seen, I was just in Florida with a young man who's 26 years of age. He cannot get traction. His father is a terrible alcoholic and has not been good. And I went out to see him, this young man. Every year I go, he's just dislocated. He'll get traction. He'll go back. It's called cyclical patterns. Victory and then defeat. Victory and defeat. Do you know that victory is not the timelines between your victories? It's like, I'm, I'm victorious this month, but then I fail this month, and then I'm victorious. That's not victory. Victory is deliverance, where it's not an issue anymore. And I said to this young man, I said, son, and I was praying for him, and I heard, I heard him say this to his father. I will never be an alcoholic like you. And I said his name. I said, did you say this to your father? He goes, yes. I said, son, you've come into an inner vow. You have positioned yourself with a judgment. And you said, I will never do this. Son, you don't have the right because it is by grace that we're saved. It is only the grace of God that will keep you from becoming an alcoholic. You don't have the strength in you, son, to avoid what your dad's fall into sin. But Jesus gives you strength. And for you to say, I will not do this, you all of a sudden make yourself devoid of the grace of God. For it is by grace we are saved. And I said, if you want to get traction and break these cyclical patterns, you must forgive your dad and bless him and declare, because he started sampling with alcohol. I had a roommate in college whose father died of liver disease because of alcohol. He said, hey, come live with me. He got a massive settlement. And I went to live at his home with him. A couple months later, I'm all of a sudden, I'm finding hard alcohol shoved down. This guy loved the Lord. Shoved down into his couch. And I, I said, Todd, what are you? going on? This you know, it was 27, 28 years ago. I said, what are you doing? He goes, it's none of your business. And all of a sudden, he started getting more drunk and more. I had no idea what an inner vow was or, uh, or a or bitter root judgment. I had no idea what they were. But that young man manifested the exact nature of what he hated in his father. To the T. To where I had to leave because he became so destructive to himself. And I heard the Lord says that there's some, I don't know who this is for, but he gave this to me early this morning. That there is an inability or a refusal to forgive someone. That there's been an operation of condemning judgments in some of our hearts. The operations of the unchangeable laws of God which cause us to reap the kind that we have sown. When we sow unforgiveness or we sow bitter root judgments, they come back on us. That's why the Bible says, for those of you that are trying to strengthen a brother, consider yourself. When you're dealing with somebody's iniquity, consider yourself lest you fall into a similar. It's called mercy. Our sinful responses to things that have harmed us cause us to have cyclical patterns. What affects the mind with expectancies is a psychological practice in our lives. The things we meditate on and dwell on. Things that we think, this person did this, they did that. 
habits of self-fulfilling prophecy by which we push people to fulfill our picture of the ways things should go. It's called manipulation. And I can read into the text, it doesn't say it, but I believe that for Hezekiah to manifest the iniquity of his father, something so terrible to plunder the, 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 the temple of God, there had to be something where Hezekiah judged his father and the very iniquity came to him. So whoever that's for today, I believe the Lord wants to set you free. Amen? I want to declare this over you out of Daniel 7, 21 through 22. The Word of God says, I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them until the ancient of days came and judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. The Lord says, I am about to make decisions and judgments on your behalf where you have been oppressed and wearied, where it felt like the enemy has prevailed against you. The Lord says, I'm rendering a judgment and I'm going to cast it in favor of the saints. Amen. I was asked, kind of a funny story, but I was asked by my pastor to lead praise and worship for about a year. I am not like that man right there. And I'm not like Marcus. Wherever Marcus, I am, I have, I got, where's Marcus? I got no game. Dear brother, you got to preach this afternoon. You're free to go. Don't you love Gabby? Isn't that guy amazing? He was supposed to leave at 1230. He's going to bring the thunder at his dad's place. Amen. So seriously, if you, need to, if you need to go, feel free, okay? Oh, just don't leave. It's anointed. Just stay right there, okay? <laughs> My pastor said, hey, Dan, we don't have a worship leader. Our worship leader got terrible, rebellious. It was a real train wreck. And um, it's the spirit of the sound man and sometimes the spirit of the worship leader. Uh, they have to get their hearts before God. And, and the spirit of the drummer. So they all just kind of manifest that, you know? And, um, and, uh, I like the fact that you can ask the sound booth to turn something down and they're not manifesting and growling at you like, how dare you mess with my mix, you know. And my pastor said, Dan, I want you to lead worship for us. Like a church of 150, 200 people. I'm like, you want me to lead worship? I know like four or five songs. And I have an average voice. It's average. It's not terrible, but it's not awesome. It's just really average. I play golf average, I sing average. There's a lot of things that I do average. And that's okay. But I was very aware of my averageness. And he said, Dan, I want you to sing with all your might. And I knew this one song, go into the enemy's camp and I'm gonna take back what the devil stole from me. And I sang the fire out of that song almost every Sunday. And we had some, we had a lady in there, her name was Sister Ruth. She was an old school intercessor. And I start singing that song, she started going, <laughs> she's just start going all over the place. And I heard the Lord says, tell my people that what the devil stole, we're going to go to the enemy's camp and take it back. I'm tempted, Tracy, to sing it. It might mess up the anointing, but it's a great song. I took back what he stole from me. Well, I took back what he stole from me. Amen? I tell you what, we need a joy in the house of the Lord. I just heard the Lord said, some of you have lost so much ground. And you're aware of the ground you've lost. But suddenly the Lord will cause you to retake what belongs to you. And then you will also forcefully advance. But he said, I want you to humble yourself. And I want you to search your heart. Lord, where have I had judgments and bitterness? 
Who am I not forgiving? Lord, I want the cyclical patterns in my life gone. I want to be delivered from these things that have been plaguing my life. I tell you, it's the door of humility. Come through the door of humility and get before the Lord. We're not looking for a witch hunt. Holy Spirit is so faithful to draw up the many waters inside of your own heart. You don't have to go on a search to find out where you're broken. But get before him and say, Lord, have I opened a door? I know that there's ground that I've lost. Will you show me what's between me and you? And many times when you're in that season, it feels like it's a hundred things. But then the Lord just shows you one thing. Here's where I was standing in that field and I told you to go left and you went right. If you'll go back to the very place that I spoke to you, then you will have your breakthrough and you will retake your ground. The kingdom of God is so good. God also always gives a U-turn. We wouldn't have repentance without a U-turn. The beauty of repentance is we draw back to the Lord and the Lord says, I'm going to give you a U-turn and a testimony at the same time. Because your seasons of failure become a testimony. God says, I will cause all things to work together for the good that those who love me and are called according to my purposes. Amen. God says, you're going to take back everything. You need to know just today that apart from him, we can do nothing. He says, I am the vine. and You are my branches. You who abide in me, that's the word abide. I want you to right now put your hands out. I feel like the Lord says, I want you to ask me for an anointing to abide again. Lord, give me grace to pray. I just don't know. I just do not believe that we can stir ourselves up enough. We need Him to stir us up. But we give permission. God, I want to be hungry again. You know, the true prophetic spirit, we're always trying to find out what's prophetic. The true prophetic spirit is when we rest, when He's a rest in the foot, in the, at the front of the boat. And when we're awake, when He's awake. That's the true prophetic spirit. We're awake when He's awake, and we're resting when He's resting. You want to be prophetic? Be awake when heaven's awake. And rest when he's resting. So in the name of Jesus, we just declare the, a grace to abide in the vine. Declare a grace over us to go and to capture the oil of his presence again. And I prophesy over you that your vessels will never run dry again. I declare a holy jealousy to come upon you to hunger for the oil of his presence that you will not be able to get enough day and night. You will seek his face. I declare over our hearts a jealousy. We can never match his jealousy. His jealousy is so much greater than ours. He's so jealous for us, so jealous for us. He said, I will baptize you with the jealousy for my presence. So Lord, we ask you, baptize us with a jealousy for your presence just to be with you, God. He says, for without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and it's withered. Some of us have a withering in our lives because we're just in need of his presence. And they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so you will be my disciples. The church is about to receive the holy, reverential fear of the Lord. God says today he's opening the eyes of our spirit. I want you to put your hands over your eyes. I have the sense that many of us have had a hard time seeing. We've not been able to see what to do or how to do it. Father, we thank you 
according to Daniel 8:17, when Daniel was in position before you in prayer, a voice came from heaven, Gabriel, make this man understand. So in the name of Jesus, I just declare over us this morning, the Lord, you're pressing understanding into our hearts. Come on, just receive that. You are giving us the ability to see again. We will not walk and live in confusion of what tomorrow holds. We will know, we will have vision, we will have sight again. Father, in the name of Jesus, I make a declaration that spiritual blindness is removed from us. Those in this room, we will see and we will know what to do. But the day of visitation, day of visitation is upon us. I want to declare this to you out of Luke 19. Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. I'm about to land this plane. He was coming into Jerusalem. And he began to weep over Jerusalem. He says, if you had known, even you, especially in the day, these things were made for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you on every side. Jesus was grieved over Jerusalem. They didn't recognize the day of the, that was at hand when he was in their midst. And they rejected the Son of God. And he literally said, because that they have rejected me and did not discern my coming, A.D. 70, the temple will be torn down and the walls will be torn down. That didn't have to happen if there was a revelation of Jesus in their midst. So I declare over us, just receive this, I declare over us that we will see and discern the activity of Jesus in our lives. We will discern his movement and we will not be offended by him in Jesus' name. I bless you today with the son of Issachar anointing, men who understood the times of what Israel ought to do out of 1 Chronicles 12, 32. I bless you today. I bless myself today that we're getting the understanding of the times and seasons of what we ought to do, the Issachar grace upon our lives in Jesus' name. I declare over us today that the Isaacs are coming into place. I bless you as an Isaac today. The Lord says, I'm taking you into the land where the wells have been filled filled by the enemy and I'm going to cause you to open up these wells in Jesus name and to give them back their name the Lord showed me that Abraham paid a price for the wells the Isaacs us we have been redigging the wells and the Lord said I'm making a way for the Jacobs the Jacobs to begin to have the Isaiah 41 I'm going to put in the mouth of the Jacob because the anointing is coming upon the Jacob generation that's these guys that's our teenagers I'm moving upon the Jacob generation again. And they will seek my face. And I'm going to give them a heart to know me. And then I'm going to put in their mouth the sledging, a threshing sledge to thresh these things into pieces. God is coming on this young generation. And we get to father them. Come on. We get to father them. Abraham paid a price for the land. Isaac had a zeal for the wells. He went back in with the seal of God and said, I'm going to redig what my father paid a price for. That's what we're doing. That's Mike and I. Mike, that's what we're doing. Marcus, that's what we're doing. We're getting jealous for the land of God again. We're, we're willing to get in there and say, we're going to open up these wells so our kids can be in revival. We're going to stand over these wells and command them to be open. We're going to bleed again in these wells. We're going to sweat. We're going to let our tears fall on the ground again. Because what you weep over, pay attention to your tears. Pay attention to your tears as part of your assignment. But you cry over what you weep over. And I'm telling you right now, Colorado's wells are being opened up. 
I want to remind you, and I'm going to end with this. God spoke over us back in September, coming into that year, of coming out of 5782. He said, I'm releasing the lion's roar and the voice of the Lord. I'm restoring your voices. I want to tell you something. I know Smith Wigglesworth and Derek Prince, they, begin, they, be, they believe that you should only pray one time for something. But that was only when you're dealing with a need for yourself or praying for a breakthrough over an individual. Because we see a different model with Elijah when he was contending over a nation. He put his head between his knees seven times and asked God to come. Marcus referenced it last week. Lord, would you send rain on Israel again? He prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And I wrote this down. In the idea that you only pray once, Aaron stood between the people and the plague. And he stood there until it was stopped. When we are contending over a region or city, we stand and contend until what we are praying for begins to manifest. We don't stop until it begins to manifest. And then we're learning from a great intercessor who lives in the springs. He says, even when it manifests, we're going to drive Roe versus Wade into the ground. That's Lou Engle. We've got breakthrough, but we're not stopping until we own it all. Because the day is the Lord's day. Hallelujah. The day is the Lord's day. So we pray until it manifests. We stand as Isaacs and we command the wells to open until they bubble up again. We give them back their names. We prophesy. Colorado, we bless you to burn again for the presence of God. And we command it until they open up. And they're opening. They are opening. And we stay on it until our babies burn with fire. Until these jokers are doing the call of God upon their lives in bathed in revival. Multi-generational move of God. Isaac pays, Abraham pays a price as the gray head. The Isaacs dig the wells and our children get in the river. Hey! I don't know about you. I told the Lord, I don't have to have a great ministry. But I want my girls and my wife burning for you all the days of our life. I want to be married to one woman the rest of my life. I don't want another one. I want the one I got. And I want my babies serving Jesus all the days of their life burning hot. Why don't you stand to your feet? Hallelujah. It's a little after one. I declare over you, I want you to put your hands on your mouth. This is what we declared. We're going to do it again. God's releasing over you. He said, remind my people. I told them that I want to give them the lion's roar and I want to give them back their voice. So in Jesus' name, I declare the warfare against your voice to be broken. There's something about the voice. What you carry in your voice is powerful. It has ability to produce kingdom life. And I declare over your voice to be strengthened and renewed in the name of Jesus. 5783 was a time of divine unveiling. Not only is God unveiling what's been hidden in darkness, but the Lord is unveiling what's been hidden inside of you. Not in the area of sin, but in your assignments and the graces of God upon your life. God says there's anointings upon many of you. Many of you have not been aware of the hand of God upon you in a certain area. And he's about to unveil to you his plans and purposes. He's about to touch an anointing in you that was put in you from a generational blessing from a grandparent. 
You didn't even know that you had a calling in this area. And God said, I'm going to uncover it. I'm going to cause it to come alive. I'm going to touch that very place in you. And I'm releasing a divine retribution over my people. God said, I'm healing the legs of my Mephibosheths again. I'm going to cause my people to stay in alignment with me. I'm going to cause them to keep their cadence with me. When I move with my left foot, they're going to move with their left foot. When I move with my right foot, they will move with their right foot. My people will stay in step with my presence. I'm healing the lame legs in my people. I'm causing the Mephibosheths that had the lame legs a season of being dropped. I'm releasing healing over your legs and you will keep in step with the Spirit of God all the days of your life. I declare, I love what Marcus said. He said, Lord, let me be hotter in my 50s than I am in my 40s. Let me burn when I'm 60. God, I want to be more radical with more faith at 70 years of age than I am right now. I tell my girls, you may be in the river of revival, but daddy ain't ever retiring. I'll be swimming right alongside with you. So lift your hands in the name of Jesus. I decree and declare over us that in this month of 23, of 2023, in the beginning of January, I declare that all the land that has been given up because of brokenness, God will cause you to retake all the territory and then give it back to you with interest in the name of Jesus. I declare that what the devil has stolen, you will go into the enemy's camp and you will take back what belongs to you in the name of Jesus. I bless your voice to run, to thunder, and to roar again. I declare over your heart that you will have confidence, that you will no longer have a hope deferred, that you will believe again, that in one day God can shake an entire nation. Can a nation be saved in a day? It can be saved in one day, says the Lord. And I want to move on your behalf. I want to revive your hearts. And I want to fill you with joy. Just put your hands on your belly. In Jesus' name, I declare over us today that we will be filled in our inner man with the joy of the Lord. I declare that the joy of the Lord will abound in us, giving us the strength of God. Sorrow and sighing is fleeing away. Depression's being driven out by the joy of His presence. We thank you, God, that you're filled with this joy. You are all joy. And we take it upon us, in Jesus' name, filled with the joy of the Lord. I bless you. I bless your legs, I bless your hands, I bless your assignment, I bless your kids to burn all the days of your life. I declare uncommon visitations in your house in the name of Jesus. I declare over a wayward daughter that she's been struggling with her faith. I declare sudden breakthroughs in your home, visitations in the night, one dream from Jesus and your kids will never be the same. They can be marked from one night of encounter. I declare in Jesus' name, road to Damascus experiences for the people of God, suddenly arrested by the glory of God those that are backslidden and away from the house of God. We declare their hearts to be arrested by the presence of God again in Jesus' name. Sudden encounters with the glory of God. I declare all of our children in this house, all of them will run hard after Jesus. They will shed the past. They will shed the wounds, shed the hurts, and they will rise up and live radically for Jesus. Rock Church, I bless you. I declare it's a new day over us. And it's a new day over Colorado. Colorado, the high places belong to Jesus. Our state's going to fall. There will be a Jesus flag established at the highest place. Because Jesus owns. He owns America and he owns Colorado. God bless you. I love you. God bless you today. Guys, give the Lord a hand. Come on. You just grab hands with the people next to you right now, just as we're just going to pray and close. And I, I felt too, just if, if we just want to bless 
Dan and his family, if you guys want to just physically bless him, uh, I would encourage that. Uh, you can, if you just want to even bless him with finances in the back, you can just write a check and just put put Pastor Dan or Dan Yakely or something at the bottom. And, and we just want to bless him and his family, the work that they're doing. We love, I love that Dan's here, but he's also, he's out and about. He's, he's preaching, contending. He's not looking for finances. He's just looking to go do what the Lord's calling him to do. But I feel like the Lord just wants to bless him, that there's a blessing. As you pour into this, as you sow a seed into this, uh, that, that there is great blessings for us as well, that we get to be a part of what Dan is doing. Is he's, he is a voice for Colorado, uh, not just for the rock. But I believe everything that is spoken here goes out. We, we know that there's a 120-mile radius of authority that the Lord has given us. And so we just thank you. I just thank you, Dan, for, for releasing the word. You're holding hands for this reason. I just felt <laughs> there was a word spoken right here in 2012 by Graham Cook. And, uh, and I, was, I was going through it the other day, and there was a part He's, it's amazing word about the water level is rising. I believe it's for right now. It's about to rise like we've never seen it rise before. Things are about to shift. One of the things that he, that he said in there is this would not happen when there's a bipartisan spirit. There has to be a spirit of unity. And the Lord's establishing that. He's establishing that. Here he's establishing that across Colorado right now. This is what's going to release the rains. This is what's going to allow the water level to rise in this region. It says this in uh, Romans 15. So as we just hold hands, it says this. May the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity. It's a spirit of unity. Among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that it's in that spirit of unity that hear these words and down in verse 13. So may the God of hope now, out of this place of unity, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, that spirit of unity that he gives us. Lord, I thank you for your grace that rests upon us. I thank you for the words that were spoken, the declarations that were given today. Lord, I thank you that your word is going forth and your word does not return void. So Lord, we just, we agree with every declaration from heaven to earth. We agree with what's been spoken today. And Lord, we say, let it be so. In Jesus' name, I bless every person here, everyone who's watching online. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.